Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Good day, everyone, and welcome to our show. You know what? Disability Pride Month is over. But Disability Pride is year-round, right? And that is why I love the guest we have on this show. Before I start, special shout-out, Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko, think of you all the time. And Richard Roberts in Okinawa, Gung Young in South Korea, Cheryl Harris in Tunisia, and Benjamin in... Kazakhstan. Let me tell you what, they're all with the, all but Vinyamin is with the State Department. Vinyamin works with the State Department, but my other uh, friends are with the State Department, and I've done some time <clears throat> presentation for them, the majority in person, but with COVID this year, we had to do Tunisia and Libya uh, by Zoom. But they are awesome. They are great friends. I just love them all. Keep fighting the fight. And hey, we have 17 countries with listeners. China, number one. Anyone in that country keeps spreading the news. <clears throat> and I always tell people, I don't care if there's only one person like Saudi Arabia, that one person one person can make a difference. You need to spread this news to other people. And I mean it. You're all champions to me that you're listening to the show. You need to tell other people about this show so we can get an employment revolution going on. That's what we need, an employment revolution. And thank you, Highmark. Oh, my God. Highmark has been a sponsor of this show for years. The CEO, David Holmberg, is just so awesome. Couldn't do this without Highmark. Thank you so much. So remember, you heard me say about these great people I've had on the show and these powerhouses I've had on the show. Wait till you hear today's guest. Wait till you hear her. Laura Randa, Chief Commercial Officer at Curo Digital Therapeutics. Prior to that, she owned her own business, her own consulting company. And prior to that, just incredible success in the pharma industry. But most importantly to us, she is a disability rights leader. Welcome to the show, Laura. Joyce, I am absolutely thrilled to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, we're thrilled to have you. And you know a couple of things. First, since people are listening United States and around the world, maybe you could start by just telling a little bit about your story, you know, and, and how that all led to pharma and then how you became a disability advocate, just so people will know who Laura Randa is. Love to. Well, disability, unfortunately, in the early days, um, was identified to me, uh, you know, as somebody that was impacted in my family. And it's always impacted my daughter. And she has ha she's had hearing loss since she was diagnosed at age six. 
And from that point, um, I've always been involved in advocacy, policy, and operational support for the hearing loss of America. There's been so many twists and turns in our disability journey. Um, My daughter um, actually was an ice skater. And early on in her days, you know, she was skating at a very competitive ice rink. And one of the coaches told her that she should join the Special Olympics. She shouldn't go on the the normal kind of uh, skating track and national competition. It was at that given moment that I knew. I knew. This daughter of mine had had what it takes. Just give her, turn the music up a little bit, make the accommodation, and she thrived and survived. She went, she went off the boards. She was amazing. And so all throughout her years, she's inspired me to do that in my workplace. But most importantly, all I knew is I had to open up those doors for her throughout her school years to get her those accommodations, and then she was off to the races. So now that she is a sophomore in business school, I wanted to make sure she has the same opportunity in the workplace. And that's how, you know, I met you and many others on AAPD because I am really, really committed. Um, As you had mentioned, I've been in 25 years a pharma executive. I've been at GSK, Novartis, and Abbott, and I've also been at small companies, um, even a small company like Regeneron when I started, but now, you know, quite a large size, uh, mid-sized biotech company. So my commitment now is really focused on how do we help the, my daughters of the world in the workplace, something that, you know, hasn't been so structured as it was at least in the school years for her. Well, I know when you tell me this story, Wow. I mean, ableism at all ages. I mean, that just is, well, you know what? She's lucky she has you for her mother. I always say, you know, if a child with a disability has a mother who knows what's going on, she'll, she'll be fine. But if not, it's such a hard walk for many uh, children with disabilities that do not have that support. But no surprise to me uh, that you were able to move that forward. And you mentioned how you had this incredible background in pharma, which you do. How about this new position you have, which is, by the way, everyone, very new, <laughs> Curio Digital Therapeutics. Yeah, you know, I could be more thrilled. I, I recently did take this new role. In fact, I'm on week three as Chief Commercial Officer at Curio Digital Therapeutics, and we're very focused on women's mental health. Um, I, I joined because of many reasons, you know, beyond even, you know, the leadership, the board, the technology, the innovation, the science, but the mission. And I've been very mission-driven throughout my whole, you know, whether it was my work career or my personal career. What we know is women put their health last. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, our first area is going to be focused on postpartum depression. And then we'll ultimately address all circles of a woman's life, menopause, infertility, and contraception. It's going to be so critical, especially even post-COVID. You know, we, we've seen the numbers, the mental health numbers just, go skyrocketing. You know, before COVID, we saw postpartum depression at 13%. Now we're seeing numbers even going into the 20% and even higher. Um, wow. And I am just so excited about the opportunity to serve and really help women. And you know what? 
Um, as I will be mentioning, you know, we're so thrilled to have you as our new board member at the American Association of People with Disabilities, which I'll talk about that a little more in a minute. But um, with our new chair, Susan Deagleman, who has talked about her mental health disability. Wow, that's just like a perfect area there. Yeah. Absolutely. Couldn't agree. Couldn't be more excited to be part of the mission. Well, you talked about um, postpartum depression. How do you see that digital therapeutics could help people with that disability? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think a lot of learnings from COVID, right? And I almost think of, you know, digital therapeutics is definitely a new era that we're going to see this big boom. I almost equate it to like pre-1994 before Amazon days. But certainly during COVID, we know it was absolutely the way that we got so many of our deliveries. Um, But digital therapeutics, what we know is women with postpartum depression you know, they come home, they had a baby, they're either focusing on the neonate, they're focused on the children's long-term health, maybe their partner's health, they're focused, but they're never focused on themselves. And we all know that when mom goes down in the house, you know, all goes down. You alluded to it that, you know, everybody needs a mom to be able to help them with the disability in those early days. You know, when mom goes down, um, you know, a lot of the, you know, the extra cost to society really go up, whether it's, you know, economic or, you know, or or even um, society and, you know, the outcomes. So I think what's really critical here is with a shortage of mental health, providers and with the increase of mental health that we know that that's happening we're able to actually predict who's going to have postpartum depression because we have a predictive analytic tool and then we can actually put them um, connect them with the cognitive behavioral therapy whether it's prevent or treat that can actually help them and they could do it right in their home which is going to be significant because you know what we find is that there's going to be such a shortage so you know we just want to be able to really impact the whole you know women family the children and I think and I'm just so excited that you know we're going to be launching this in fourth quarter. Well, uh, Laura, what what then is the main business? Like if someone would ask you, what does Curio do? What's the answer? Um, what, we're, what we are able to do is predict which, which women will have mental illness and link to that, create, you know, and give an apt, you know, cognitive behavior technology that will address and get them back on track and get them healthier. So the post addresses the postpartum depression so that they can go back and, you know, be part of the family and not have to deal with, you know, the blues and the sadness. So really, really addressing women's mental health. And you're saying uh, this can predict if you have a psychiatric disability, this could predict that. <clears throat> yeah. Is that what we you have, mean? We, yeah, we have a, the first part of this is a predictive analytic tool that, for example, if, a, you know, my employer could, could butt it up against their employer base, we could actually predict which, which patients are going to have postpartum depression, and then we would be able to, you know, serve them and give them an application that would actually, they could do some modules that would address their postpartum depression and really get them back, you know, to, to actually being functional, to being happy, to being part of the family again. 
done. So combination of predictive analytics with cognitive behavioral therapy really addressing the postpartum depression as our first indication. Um, Wow, that is amazing. I always say, you know, a lot of times people say, look how long people are living today. And I'll say, yeah, we didn't have all this healthcare technology, you know, in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. I mean, it's like all the time it's something new, just like this. Who would ever believe that you could do that? I mean, that's mind boggling to me. That you can Amazing how technology, that. right? I think, right, can help healthcare, but it also can help manage all these costs in society, right? So I think getting people healthy and also doing it in an economical, cost-effective way, which is very exciting. Yeah, being able to do this from home. Yeah. As, as you were mentioning before, uh, this telehealth is so great. I mean, it is so great. The person can get, you know, faster response. They don't have to go anywhere. I mean, it's just, all of this is so, so awesome. And this, of course, will help people with disabilities. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, now, let's talk for a minute about Curio. How, how would you, dis- first of all, where are you headquartered? Uh, Princeton, New Jersey. And how would you describe the culture of the company? Well, I will tell you that was a fourth bullet um, when I looked at companies um, to really decide because culture makes or breaks companies. And it's all about the people, right? It's our biggest, biggest investment. So I am just absolutely thrilled. The culture of this company is exactly what I was looking for. You know, I, I think culture is something that we can't just, you know, write on our mission value statements, but we have to live it every day. We have to be able to see it. People have to know what it is. It has to be led by by the top and pulled through throughout the whole organization. But everybody cares about people, and it starts there. It does. There was a CEO here uh, in Pittsburgh that had a technology company. This is way back in time. He was like way ahead of his time and very successful. Um, and he used to always say, all my assets leave at five o'clock. And isn't that the truth? Because people are your assets. And that culture will either motivate people make people keep their job, be able to recruit people, or the opposite. And I agree with you. I, To me, I always ask, in executive search, I always ask companies, could you tell me what the culture is like? Because that will tell me, you know, so much about the company. So let's talk about AAPD, one of my favorite topics. Uh, and before we do, I'll tell you that last evening – Another board member that sadly will be leaving, because I love him and have known him forever, Will Riss and I, and our new board member, Jackie from Comcast, we did a session with the AAPD interns, and it was so awesome. You know, I really, really believe in the uh, young people with disabilities, because we need leaders, you know, we've had the older leaders, but we need new leaders. Um, And it was just a pleasure uh, at that meeting. But Laura, um, what does this mean to you? And go back a minute. 
Why did you want to be on the board? I know you really wanted to join AAPD. Why is that? Yeah. Well, first of all, congratulations on all the work that you've done with internships, uh, interns, and and for many many years, Joyce. I think you have been the you know the light and the trailblazing this work for many many years, and inspired me. And is probably one of the you know one of those key areas of why I did want to join because what you've stood for in giving people equal opportunity and be able to have that thrive and survive, just you know give them some accommodations, right? And they'll thrive and survive and you know they'll go to the races is exactly what why I'm part of this you know I've always been very dedicated to community service it's been in my DNA my family's DNA but I have to tell you this is my passion project and it for so many reasons I you know I think just from an awareness perspective I think when somebody hears the term disability it, te- it tends to paint a picture in their head they might think of someone in a wheelchair someone with a hearing impediment, or maybe an elderly, you know, grandma or grandpa that has lost some of their mobility over the years. But disability is so much more than that and affects all people, all walks of life. So I think right now, even, you know, while I've always been committed to it, I think COVID has recommitted me to the mission because before COVID, we knew 61 million adults are living with a disability in the United States. Think about that. One in four adults in the entire country. And now we know, isn't that mind-boggling? And now we know that mental health and, you know, last week the the executive order that President Biden signed with long haulers, you know, recently added in the disability community, this number is going to be more than that. You know, we need to address it, and we need to make it a priority. And that's why. That's my why. You know, I have that, my guiding thing with my daughter. I have inspirational people like what you've done with placing people in jobs, the interns programs. And I just wanted to be part of that, that, that exciting mission that you guys have for so many years laid such a strong foundation. Well, I am so thrilled to have you, Laura. You're already adding so much. And I, you know, as a woman living with epilepsy, I wanted to get, you know, here I am, a for-profit company with a social mission. And I really wanted to be involved with AAPD. Um, and, And I got involved a long, long time ago. And I love the organization and how it has grown. I love Maria Town. You know, our new CEO, she's doing a phenomenal job. And Ted Kennedy, our retired chair and our new chair, Susan Diegelman. But I also love what we just talked about, the emphasis on young people, the Paul Hearn Award, the um, internship program. Uh, You know, I think that is so uh, wonderful and so important and how businesses here you have an organization where you have these true disability rights advocates like Judy Uman who are then paired with business leaders uh, like you and to have these two giants working together is absolutely the perfect blend that's what we need corporations with the disability advocates. Um, And speaking of that, 
that leadership roundtable. Uh, how do you how do you feel about that leadership roundtable? And in addition, what do you think that will do for AAPD and actually outside of AAPD in the community and business community? I, I think we're ready for, I, I think you said employment revolution in the beginning part, and I think that's what we're, we're setting ourselves up for. Um, we look at all the amazing work and progress over the last years in the LGBTQ community. Um, I believe that with a leadership roundtable, with a focus on disability, you know, how, you know, what are best practices in interviewing? How do you onboard? You know, how do you train? How do you include, you know, disability in all functions of work? You know, how, what, you know, what's the advocacy needed? What's the policies? Um, I believe that creating an infrastructure with a community that's very focused on this that we're going to create that similar inclusionary pathway for more disability people for jobs jobs and upward growth just as we did with other movements like the LGBTQ and other movements that we've seen over time. I think what's been remarkable to me is, you know, I started working, you know, early this year on this and I was introducing and had the opportunity to introduce the roundtable to many, many of my colleagues that I've worked with. And it was in February, and I started the conversations, and, you know, we had a bolus of companies join, you know, in the four to six periods. And that was off cycle, off budget cycle for many of these companies. But as I was talking about what, what our mission was, what our values were, what we were trying to accomplish, what we were trying to move forward for their organizations and support them in the work that they're doing. It was amazing how many people jumped on the bang, you know, on the band right away. Um, you know, I went back to my CEO at Regeneron and had a conversation. And um, again, disability had affected his life. And, you know, he spoke about it at the gala. We had, you know, Companies are extremely interested. I think that the connection that AAPD is, you know, opening up and saying, we're going to help because everybody's trying to do it right now and people are, are doing, you know, lots of amazing work. But creating a community and an ecosystem that brings all this together and that one plus one doesn't have to equal two, it can be a much higher number together. Right. Oh, that is so true. And how about corporate America? How do you think this leadership roundtable would impact them? Yeah, I think, you know, again, in those early conversations and throughout this, you know, my journey with talking with people, I think what we know is that companies that are more inclusive are more successful. And that means inclusive of all people. In the, you know, in our ecosystem. And I think that's over and over and over again, and we've seen that in reports, you know, that have recently been released. So I'm excited to take this to a broader level, to have it impacted in more organizations, and then when we come back in five years, say, wow, look at all the progress we've made. But I think this is going to be game-changing, and I think that we're going to see amazing results and be able to change culture and impact in organizations. 
Well, I'll tell you what, Lori, you are the real deal, okay? Uh, As you all know, Bender Consulting Services focuses on the employment of people with disabilities, digital access, and we have a software product, iDisability. And when I met Laura, she says, I want to help you because you're helping people with disabilities. I cannot begin to tell you how fast this all happened. And you know, I have met people since I founded Bender 25 years ago, all of which tell me, we're going to help you. We know you help people with disabilities, and they don't. But she did. And that is how I know she's the real deal. And to all of you with disabilities listening to the show, whether here or around the world, you need to follow her because you know it takes a lot for me to endorse someone on this show, and I endorse her. She is the real deal. You wait till you see what she's going to do at AAPD. You know, you have not seen it yet. She is going to be, she is a mover and a shaker. There is no doubt about it. And Laura, we have a question that was sent in to us by a listener. And the question is, uh, Laura, what would you suggest companies do to see more people get hired? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, first of all, I love the question because that means you're thinking about it, right? And, I, you know, I think that, you know, one of the things, quite honestly, and, you know, as I think back to my daughter, is how, the, how, how do people match? You know, how do people, employees and employers, find the right place? You know, you had talked to me about, you know, it, you know, what's the culture like? Is it a good match for you? So one of the things that is important to somebody that is disabled is to make sure you have those accommodations so you thrive and survive. So I think part of this is is being, you know, join the roundtable for those companies that want, you know, that are, that are open and are committed to hiring all, you know, walks of life in their organization because I believe this roundtable is going to be a forum that says, hey, my hiring practices include disabled people. My hiring, my onboarding has a training product that, um, you know, like I had disability when they're interviewing that, that Joyce you've been working with, or that we have an onboarding kit that addresses whatever disability folks are facing. So I think it's going to be critical to make sure employers are going to be part of the community where I believe employees are going to come to and say, I want to be part of a company that does have hiring practices, not just to hire, but also to train me, to actually give me opportunities, upward growth in an organization, so I can sustain and learn and grow and make an impact inside the organization. So reach out to us, join the roundtable, because I think we're creating an ecosystem that's something very, very special. Yes, that would be my best answer. What Laura said in the ending, icing on the cake, join the leadership roundtable at aapd.com. And with that, it's time for our news break on the half hour with our newscaster, Perry Jude Radisic, CEO of Disability Rights of PA. Perry, are you with us? I am, Joyce. Thanks for having us. Well, uh, Perry, before you begin, all of us uh, at Voice America and all of our friends 
you know, very sorry about your mother passing away. Uh, and I know uh, that St. Jude Hospital is a place that you can make a donation uh, in honor of Perry's mother. And of course, I did. But I just want you to know we all love you. But we're certainly glad you're back because if you weren't back, we wouldn't know what's going on. So lucky that you're back, Perry. We're lost you, without Jordan. you, thank Perry. You. Well, thank you uh, for your gift and, and for uh, speaking about St. Jude uh, uh, Children's Research Hospital. It was very important to my mother, and uh, I appreciate um, Well, whatever is important uh, to today, your mother, whatever is important to your mother is important <laughs> to us. But, Perry, you have no idea. Do you know I had people call me and ask me where my newscaster was? Because everyone well, listens I, uh, to this part. So we're yeah. ready for well, you. Well, I really do appreciate this space. I, I do. And I'm, I'm happy to be back. And, uh, and really, today, it's about expiration of Centers for Disease Control Eviction Moratorium. You're hearing about it on television, on television and in the newspaper, but we need to talk about it too. This was an effort to create stable and affordable housing during the COVID-19 pandemic, and now it's hit a major roadblock. The moratorium on evictions related to COVID-19 expired just days ago on July 31st. Here's the number, 6.5 million households are behind on their rent, and eviction notices are going out. So we all know the CDC had issued a series of temporary eviction moratorium orders under its authority, and it did it to mitigate the spread of COVID-19. So it, it, and the policy wanted to limit the number of people who became homeless, moved into congregate or shared living settings. That was the policy. So here comes the Delta variant, and uh, and we have no uh, extension of that moratorium. Now, Kong provided state and local governments nearly $50 billion in emergency rental assistance to help renters and property owners pay their rent. The problem is some communities have been so slow in releasing the federal emergency rental assistance. In fact, I think the number is only $3 billion out of that $46 billion has really been spent. So pressure is mounting on Congress and the White House to do something to extend this through the end of December, but no action has been taken. Now, at Advocacy Matters, we always tell you ways you can get involved. There are two ways. First, if you know anyone, please refer them to state and local resources that have been set up to help individuals facing eviction. Like I said, state and local governments have money to provide uh, this emergency rental assistance the money has to be spent to help those facing evictions. You can go to disabilityrightspa.org. We have a link where you can send people to find their state and local resources. Second, as advocates, we have to keep asking our state and local governments to act by extending their own eviction moratorium until Congress or the White House can figure this out. Now, Congresswoman Maxine Waters has introduced legislation uh, to extend the moratorium. However, there haven't been enough votes to get this on the floor and pass it. The White House is reviewing their options. 
We will be sure to update you on this eviction crisis as soon as we get more information on the direction our leaders are headed. But in the meantime, go to disabilityrightspa.org, click on the Advocacy Matters segment for today, find the information to help people with their rent and utilities, and be sure to stay tuned to Advocacy Matters in the future. Well, what I have to say, this is terrible. You're saying that ended July 31st. So would this start now then? People are being told they're being evicted now? Yes, eviction notices are going out. And so there's lots of concerns, right? The local court systems are going to be overwhelmed by a lot of eviction notices. And the sad part is there's money out there to be spent for landlords and for renters who are facing eviction. And talk about hurting the economy. Envision all of these people unable to buy anything, you know, because the little money they have, many of the people had to pay rent with. Now, just think of this and think of the impact, you know, on the city, you know, think of everything, Medicaid, everything else involved here. It's terrible, but most importantly, Remember, disability and poverty go hand in hand. So many of these people have a mental health condition, have epilepsy, have some type of disability. And when you are homeless, it's a horrible, horrible thing. So, uh, Perry, this is really frightening. It, it is, and the other you know, terrible thing is that eviction will stay on people's records for seven years, and uh, it'll be hard to rent once resources come available again for people. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, Perry, I'm really glad you gave us that update. Uh, and again, your website? Yes, please go to disabilityrightspa.org. Click on the link for today, and let's help our friends and neighbors find the resources to stay in their uh, stay in their homes. Amen to that, Perry. Well, we'll look forward to talking to you next week, Perry. And thank you, Joyce. There you go, Laura. What you were just talking about, you know, about women and mental health issues. Imagine this situation. Yeah, horrific, right? And I think, which also just talks about, you know, I think with everything that was just discussed, we just tied a bow around, right? How do we empower people that are qualified to work to get them into the workplace and to be able to find that right match so that they actually can, you know, be productive impact, you know, impact to the society, but but also be able to, to afford housing and all the, you know, all the other things that they're struggling with. So creating that equality um, to make sure that they, that, they do, that they don't get displaced in housing is so critical. Yeah, I agree with you. Yep, that's what changes the whole world for people with disabilities. And with that, we have a caller on the line. Tony, are you on the line? Hello. Hi, Tony. Joyce. Hi. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, good. Laura? How are are you today, Tony? I'm great. Great. Laura, congratulations on getting on the board of AAPD. 
you're going to be great on that board. Um, and those of us in the disability community appreciate all your efforts. And I know that you're also working with Joyce, and uh, that's a personal thing with me. And so thank you, and you're making a big difference. So love you and appreciate it. Couldn't be more thrilled to be part of um, the legacy that um, you've established. It's remarkable. And just hoping that um, I can live up and create for the next vision for the next decade or two um, the impact that you both of you have leveled and grounded us on. That's where, why we're here today. That's why my daughter has been able to be where she is today. So I think uh, it, ta- it takes a village and it takes a huge ecosystem. And I think that's why this roundtable is going to be such an impactful thing, creating an ecosystem to create people to get to, to work, right? So that the housing issues that we just talked about aren't going to be the problem. Right. That's exactly and right. I, Tony was the chair of AAPD. And actually, uh, difficult time, and he moved it to a great position. But, Tony, I have to tell you, I was thinking about this. When we were talking about AAPD, I still remember when you would be uh, up, up front, you know, emceeing a gala dinner, and what would happen if someone talked too long? I used the hook and got them off. <laughs> You did. I don't care. You know what? It could have been the, Laura, it could have been the President of the United States. If he goes back the time, out comes Tony. Okay, thank you very much. We enjoyed hearing you. I'd be sitting there, and if someone was talking too long, I would say to uh, Mary and Paula, who work with me, uh uh-oh, they're going to get it any minute now. Tony's going to end their discussion, and he did. But uh, Tony... I have known Laura for a very long time, and he has done so much for AAPD and, of course, the whole whole world with the Americans with Disabilities Act. But I know, Tony, that you also know the power uh, of a business. Disability rights advocates are very important, but so are business leaders. And don't you agree with that? Oh, I totally agree with that, Joyce. Business leaders can make a huge difference for our community, as well as the religious leaders. Uh, there is business leaders can basically, uh, particularly CEOs, can basically mandate that their company hire people with disabilities who all have ability. That's the most important thing here. We're not looking for a care package. Uh, we're looking for legitimate jobs that we legitimately can do and make a difference for that company. Um, so uh, you're absolutely right. Business leadership is critical for our community. Now, I, I said religious leaders because religious leaders, you know, there's a stigma in regards to a lot of religions that if you have certain disabilities, it's because of, of your possessed or whatever. Um, but if religious leaders would aggressively uh, treat those of us with disabilities not as uh, health problems, but as individuals who can participate in society like everybody else. It would be a major turnaround uh, for our community. So, but I, uh, Laura, I just want to make one comment about what Joyce said in my cutting off people. When uh, we started the we started the galas, 
the gala would end up at 11.30 or something like that, 11 o'clock. There were very few people left, because everybody walked out. So when I took over, I said, okay, uh, the gala is not going to go beyond uh, 9.30. Mm-hmm. Um, and yep. uh, when it got... When it got close to that point, if I saw people talking too much, I interrupted them. And we finally got it down, so we were leaving by 9.15 at the latest. And that way, people could talk afterwards. They didn't have to rush home because it was 11 o'clock. They could talk afterwards, and people came because it wasn't an all-night affair. So we dramatically turned that around, and and that uh, uh, that process has continued since then, which... I happen to agree with any organization that um, any of these programs can go on too long. Yeah, and it has stayed that way ever since, Tony, uh, ever since you instituted that. And I agree with you uh, 100%. Uh, And, Tony, thank you for taking time to call in. I know how busy you are, so I really appreciate you taking time to call in. Anytime, Joyce, particularly when you have somebody like Aura on that I can applaud her work. So thank you very much for all you do as well. Thank oh, you. Thank well, you, lots Tony. Of work more to go, right? And I'm excited and thrilled to be part of working with both of you, quite honestly, delighted and honored. And, um, you know, for all the people in the United States and the world, you know, just thrilled that you guys, that you have set up and established everything. Uh, and I just look forward to taking it and expanding on what's been built so far. Great, great. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Okay. Thank you, Tony. Hey, Laura, Laura, I'll bet you didn't think that at some point you would be having the author of the Americans with Disabilities Act calling in to talk to you, huh? You know, I have to tell you, I think that's the most humbling part of this. I remember the first time when I spoke to Tony, and Tony told me his story, and it, it brought me back to a place. I remember when my daughter was diagnosed with moderate to severe sense of neural hearing loss at age six and sitting there at schools and being able to get the accommodations that my daughter needed to thrive and survive. And here was the person that was responsible for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I tell you, I still get chills when I talk to him um, because, you know, thank, th- the thanks that I could say to him and for all the work, because I know, right, we all know changing policy and, you know, hurting, you know, both sides of the aisle to make that happen, you know, was a massive, massive undertaking. And, you know, there's, there's more policy work that needs to get done, you know, as we continue to level and grow this movement and, and you know, moving it forward. But I just think every single day and thankful every single day because of that legislation. You know, we all have legislation that happens, you know, every single day, some that impacts us, some that doesn't. But what a remarkable piece of legislation that impacted my family and so many more. Yeah, everyone. I always tell people at some time in your life, you will have some type of disability. And so think of the ADA for you as future insurance, but let's use me. You know, first of all, I'm so honored to have Tony Quello as the chair 
of the Bender Advisory Board. And by the way, this wonderful woman is a new member. But I, I want to mention that I would have gone on an interview. I would have to write down that I take Lamictal, you know, for epilepsy. This is how it was before. And people could have asked me on the interview, what is your disability? So I don't know that people realize how much the ADA did and does today. But wow, Tony's been working on all of this. ADA Amendments Act, census, getting us in the census, so many things. And he still is. He is unbelievable. He is absolutely unbelievable. So, Laura, now you know we're always talking about how, oh, we know companies can help us, like with that leadership roundtable, getting people employed. But my question for you, and I really want to hear it from you because you're very astute and you've been an executive role in pharma uh, throughout your career. Why do you think the unemployment is so high for people with disabilities? Yeah, I think, you know, it's a very complicated issue, right? I think, um, I think where we, where we have fallen down, um, is, is a little bit of, you know, things such as that can be solved by using things like Joyce that you've built and developed and, you know, have been able to provide organizations with, like iDisability. Like, how, how do you adjust your interviewing so that, you know, making those different changes and those different accommodations that people are able to thrive and are able to show what value they'll bring to organizations. Everybody, I, I think, whether it's our daughters, our brothers, our sisters, us, our parents, or our grandparents, I think your message just a moment ago was spot on. Everybody is going to be impacted by a disability at some point. But we just need to, as good employers, make those accommodations so that people can really, you know, use their talents, their treasures. And so I think that goes through all facets of our workplace, whether it's the early stage of hiring people, whether it's the, the early parts of recruiting and being, you know, being open and being transparent that, that you know, that we're open to hiring people, and and then Quite honestly, it's getting people that are disabled in the, in the workplace, having them be successful, setting them up for success, and also then saying, this is a great place to work. Uh, you know, I want to, you know, I want to tell my sister, my friends, my cousins that this is a great place to work and that they should think about coming there. So I think it's a little bit of, you know, really doing a self-assessment, like, are we ready? Are we, you know, how can we accommodate, you know, um, the mental health issues? How do we accommodate the long haulers? How do we accommodate the autistic? How do we, you know, how are, how are we accommodating? Do we ha- have we really done a really good report card and been really, you know, critical in assessing, are we ready? And, because that's our workplace. We just said one in four prior to COVID. It's going to be a much higher, um, you know, number post-COVID. And I don't know about you, but everywhere I look these days, the signs out there: we're hiring. I know. Everywhere, disability yep. people are there to work. 
We just need to make sure we make that connection. Get them in the door, make sure we set it up for success, and we're not going to have the shortage of employees, and we're not going to have, hopefully, if we, you know, if we do a little bit of this front-loading stuff, we're not going to, you know, we're going to create solutions that we don't have people, like, evicted, you know, unable to afford food and all the things we were just earlier speaking of. Um, oh, I agree with you. You know, when you were saying about uh, people out there ready to work, that's why now when I hear people say, oh, what are we going to do? We can't find people. Where are they? I raise my hand and I say, I know. Yeah. Hey, there's this untapped pool of people that are blind, that are in wheelchairs, who are deaf, who have epilepsy or mental health uh, or MS, whatever, that want to work. And are ready to work. But, you know, you just have to be willing to, you know, open those doors. You have to be willing to include people with disabilities. And about that, when I go speak at a company and they say, well, we brought Joyce Bender in because we want to start hiring people with disabilities. And Joyce, could you talk about that? The first thing I always say is, okay, let's start here. You've already hired people with disabilities. Yep, they're sitting in the audience right now. They have depression, bipolar disorder, epilepsy, diabetes, and I go through this big list you already have hired them, and they are some of your top performers. PTSD, I could go on and on. It's just they aren't telling you. And I am telling you, all of you listening, businesses, if you work to make this a disability-friendly company, if you get involved with organizations like AAP.com and this Leadership Roundtable, if you are willing to take off those uh, blinders and realize there are people that want to work for you, you know, I'm telling you they're there. They are there. Everyone's looking and they tell me about that. I have to give kudos to Highmark, who sponsors this show. Here's a multi-billion dollar organization that owns, I don't know, 14 different hospitals and, of course, their insurance, their provider. Uh, And they've been working with me since 1995. But right now, their president, and by the way, he's going to be on the show next week, Mick Malik. Uh, he's the president of the the healthcare solutions part, where they provide services to companies that you know need healthcare services in IT or whatever it is. He told me, Joyce, we can't find enough people in IT, so send them, send them on, bring them on. And you know what? One of the people, Laura, was referred by Tony Quello. And she is already hired as a project manager. You know, they're putting their money where the talk is. And the only way you can change the work face of America is hire someone. That is where the rubber meets the road. So, Laura, what do you plan on doing over the next few years for your advocacy work and your work with AAPD? Well, I think I think we hit the nail on it, right? I think first of all, 
that we've got to have more conversations like this. So thank you so much, Joyce, for including me in this conversation, getting the word out, right? That it's so critical that there, you know, that we do have this round table. They could be a part of it. You can be a disability friendly company. And so my, and my commitment is really getting that, you know, helping build that ecosystem with lots of companies that they don't have to, every company doesn't have to do it alone. We can do it as a team. We can build something remarkable and we can, we can build an amazing place that's inclusive of all people and workplace will be more productive, more happier, more satisfying for so many people. And, and I'm just so excited. That's really my mission and my focus over the next couple of years is to make sure that we, that we forward that, we progress it and we're successful in doing so. Well, you know what, Laura? You're going to change lives because without employment, you are never, ever, ever free in this country. Can't rent a house, can't live the American dream, and you need digital accessibility. You need all of this. And once again, that's what I love about AAPD telling companies, hey, you need to be inclusive, you need to include disability, and this is how you do it. Laura, thank you so much for being with us today. I just love you. I think you're wonderful, and I am so thankful that you're working with us at AAPD. You know, very happy. This is one of the happiest part of my life because, you know, so many people, that we discussed, all the work, Tony, the work that you did have set my family up for success, and I just can't wait to impact so many other families. Um, very excited to be part of this conversation, and I look forward to learning and hearing more from your other speakers over the next coming weeks and months. And, hey, well, first of all, thank you. But you made me think of this. If you heard the show today and you're thinking, oh, I wish so-and-so could hear this show, remember... Go to Spotify, Apple, Voice America, or BenderConsult.com. If you go to Spotify, you can subscribe to the show, to the podcast, Disability Matters with Joyce Bender, so you can tell everyone else about this show. And we end every show with a quote, and today that quote is, many of life's failures are experienced by people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up, said Thomas Edison. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Join us next week and hear Mick Malik, my guest. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.